Hello, and welcome to the Victorious Living Christian Counseling Podcast. My name is Crystal Ridlin, and I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Indiana and a licensed professional counselor in the state of Missouri. Victorious Living is not only a dream, but a real possibility through Jesus Christ. For today's topic, I've decided to share my testimony. To not only share my testimony, but let you guys know what led me to becoming a Christian counselor. So first, I will start with telling you a little bit about my past. I was raised in a family where there was considerable abuse, many personality disorders. Of course, I didn't know this at the time. I didn't understand any of what I saw except for that it just was very painful. Um, my mom was, uh, she's very borderline. And every sibling in my family also is borderline. So I grew up with a lot of um, confusion. Um, if we used to talk about borderline, borderline disorder is actually someone who um, is very loving at some times, but then very angry and um, kind of writes you off at other times. So basically, if they get what they want from you, they're happy. The moment they don't get something they want from you, you become the enemy. And they even will work towards getting like a whole slew of people against you. So as a child, I didn't understand this. All I knew is that there was a lot of anger in my home. In addition to this, um, I had a stepfather who was extremely abusive. He was a severe alcoholic. The moment he came home from work, he would start drinking and he would not stop. And he was an angry drunk. When he, he was angry all the time, but he was really angry when he was drunk. And um, there was a lot of abuse. Um, he was the one who I had nightmares about. Um, once I moved out of the house, I would have a lot of nightmares where I would feel like helpless because he would be coming at me very angry. Um, he would hit us. He would scream at us right in our face. I remember getting screamed at so much right with him right in my face and just spit just hitting my face. And um, it was very terrifying for me as a child. Um there was a lot of abuse from my mom and my siblings. I was the youngest, so my oldest sister was 16 when I was born, or 15, and so um, it, I was the one who was, <laughs> I guess, easy to pick on. I was um, much younger than they were. So this abuse continued, and many nights I did not have anybody in the home so like they would go partying I mean probably at least five nights a week and stay out till two three sometimes four o'clock in the morning and as a very very young child I would lay in bed and just I would dread being alone because I was always scared being in a big house too little to be there by myself but I would dread them coming home because I knew that when they came home, nine times out of ten, it meant that there was going to be a huge, huge fight 
which got very ugly, scary, and oftentimes ended with the police being called. I remember my family members saying, call the police, don't call the police, and feeling very confused about when to call, when not to call, if I got in trouble, if I would get in trouble if I called. Um, So anyway, this abuse continued until um, I was 16 years old and was able to finally move out of the home. I continue to have some level of abuse from my family members today. They are still pretty toxic. I have very limited communication with them for that reason. Um, But this paradigm, this way of living has continued (laughs) into my, um, in my family today. And it's very heart-wrenching. There's been several siblings that I've had who have died, um, ultimately from hard living, um, drinking, drugs, um, bad relationships, a lot of that type of stuff. And so it's felt very hopeless at times. But thankfully, I have the Lord, so I know it's not hopeless and that he works all things for good to those who love him. So that's just a little bit of a background on my past and um, how I was raised. Um, I didn't fully understand how this had impacted me until I moved out. And even then, I didn't really understand that it was my childhood that impacted me. All I knew was I was struggling. I was hopeless. I was suicidal. I was um, broken. I was scared of everything. I couldn't have fun. I remember being in high school and people around me just being so joyful and and having a great time with their friends. And I remember being in a group and pretending and remember I felt like I had to look at myself and make myself be happy. I didn't want people to see that I was happy. I was unhappy, so I would just kind of laugh, and and I tried to be happy, but it wasn't true joy. It was very, I was very empty. Um, so when I was 15 and a half years old, that was the end of my junior high. My junior high years, I ended up moving in seventh grade to a new junior high, to a new city nearby, and there was a music teacher who really was a gift to me. She was such a blessing. She knew a little bit about my family and um, she had known more about probably, even though she didn't know specifically about the abuse because I didn't tell her, but she knew my stepdad from other areas of life. And so I believe she knew that he was a very angry man and she just took me under her wing and seventh and eighth grade, she would spend pretty much, I remember after school, many, many times, at least several times a week, that I would just spend with her after school talking to her. And she encouraged me. I was a singer. I'm still a singer. Um, and she would just help me so much work on my vocals. She pretty much gave me free vocal lessons. Um every day or several times a week. And another thing she would do is she would always 
give me a ride home. Just something so simple. She just showed me love. And it was such a, it was something that I had only really seen love from my grandmother. And um, I had a really close uncle who was a Christian and showed me love, but I only saw him a few times a year. And so for this teacher to begin, she believed in me. She thought that I could do things. And because of her encouragement, I ended up making honor roll all through junior high. And I ended up getting the school-wide music award for all of eighth grade. And it was very exciting. It was the first time I had been recognized for anything positive that I did. So then when eighth grade ended, my heart was crushed. I knew I wasn't going to get to see her every day. I mean, I felt like my world was ending. And she ended up um, introducing me to the lady who played the piano for all of our concerts. And this lady agreed to give me lessons, piano lessons, and I started going to piano lessons. My mom paid for maybe one or two sessions, and then my mom completely stopped paying for lessons, and my, and the piano teacher said, I will continue giving you free lessons if you show up, and she did every week. I think I might have had a keyboard or something to practice, but in that my world that I was living in, I know I didn't get to practice much, but she faithfully every week gave me piano lessons, and she showed me Jesus's love, and every week she would gently ask me if I would be willing to come to church with her, and I would always say at that time, I'm not going to get into it, but I had gone to a Mormon church for a few years, like a year or a year and a half, I don't know, and was kind of attending that. So I kept telling her, no, I go to this, I already go to this church, but it wasn't a church where I ever really felt God's love there. I didn't feel anything. I was just, I was searching and um, so I just kept going. Um, Probably not regularly, but... Um, enough. Anyway, one day she asked me if I would be willing to come and help her youth group sing and that they could use a good vocalist to help them. And so I agreed. She got me where I was weak. (laughs) I love to sing. And so I ended up going that day and I had practiced the song that she'd given me on tape. So I was all ready to sing. And, um, and I went and I showed up and I sang with the the group and I just remember when I walked into the church there was some thing overwhelming that I had never felt before there was a sense of now I know what it was it was a sense of the Holy Spirit there was like love in this building and I didn't even know what it was because again I had never been in a situation where I had felt that type of feeling before So, um, after that, that morning, I remember the pastor doing the invitational, asking people to come forward if they wanted to accept Christ and if they wanted him to be Lord of their life. 
And I remember feeling very convicted at the end of the session, but I didn't know what it was. So I, I, probably, I ignored it. I think I was maybe embarrassed to go forward or just confused. And But I went back to church that evening, and that evening I felt the same thing, God calling me to come to him. So that evening I accepted Christ as my Savior and walked forward. Um, so that began to, that was the day where my life began to change. Um, I, at that, up to that point, I had nothing else that was firm and constant that I could put my hope into. And I was looking for a few people, like my music teacher, who was such an amazing blessing to me, but she was never intended to be my hope. And when I had to leave her, that hope was pulled away from me. But when I found Jesus, that was a hope that nobody could take away from me. It was, there were nights when all I had was Jesus. And I felt very alone as a, in a, high, as a young high school girl, confused. What I didn't realize is that when you face the kind of bondage and abuse that I faced, when I left the home and was in a place where I was hadn't I didn't have the physical abuse and the crazy domestic violence that I was in as a child I didn't realize that that is when you feel the heaviness the most because now you're no longer in survival mode but now you're in I've got to heal from all of this baggage and hurt and brokenness and generational bondage that has been put on me. I hadn't done anything to have all of this been, be thrown on me. It was just a part of having been um, raised in a home where there was such significant abuse and bondage. So I continued like this for quite a while. I ended up looking back. I now know that I went into a period of anorexia. I lost a ton of weight. The reason was I couldn't eat. I was so sad and so hopeless. I couldn't eat. I didn't want to eat. I had completely lost my appetite. I got too thin, way too thin for me. And I remember laying in bed night after night. I couldn't sleep. There was such a void inside of my heart. I felt so lonely, and I remember just praying and asking God, God, I feel so lonely. I just want to die. Can you please put your arms around me and just hold me? And on those nights, God became very real to me. He put his arms around me. I felt a warmth and a peace that would come over me. And that was the only way I slept for that probably two years that I went through this. And so towards the end of my junior year, beginning of my senior year probably, I think it was the summer of my junior year, I went to a church camp like I had been doing for several years. I loved church camp. I grew so much at church camp. But I had decided, I was praying, and I wanted to let go of the loneliness 
and the suicidal thoughts that I was feeling. I ended up telling the leader of my group that week when it came to me, when they asked the question, what would you like to get out of, you know, group this week? Some kids said, you know, I'd like to go closer to God. Some said I'd like to, you know, look at the girls or, you know, check out the boys. Everybody had a different answer. Um, I said, I want this loneliness in my heart to go away. I live with it and it's overwhelming. I didn't say anything about the suicidal thoughts, um, but I just said that that's what God's put on my heart. I remember people looking at me like I was strange. Um, and the leader of the group kind of looking at me like, oh boy, oh, I didn't sign up for this level of <laughs> seriousness in the group. Um, so I set out that week. And that was the heart, the cry of my heart. When I there would be prayer time during the, you know, any of the sessions, during my quiet alone time, I would just ask God to really take this away from me. The whole week was wonderful, um, and God really did. He that weekend He did something amazing and wonderful in my life. He took away the suicidal thoughts. When I came back, I had fully surrendered my heart to God. And so I want to stop here for a moment because I want people to understand. Christian people who are maybe pastors, counselors, parents, accepting Christ, people can only do this in a way they feel safe. And when you have been so battered and so hurt and so abandoned, even if you want to fully accept Christ, your heart has been so guarded as a protective measure to keep from being hurt too much. We put up these natural defenses. We call them defense mechanisms or coping skills. And so I let Jesus in that first day as much as I possibly could have. But it took an ongoing relationship with Jesus to find out that he was never going to fail me. He was never going to forsake me. And when I was finally at that point where I could surrender my whole heart to Jesus, that's when my life really began to look much better. Up until that point, I was a people pleaser. If somebody was um, upset with me, it was the end of my world. And yet God began to show me that there are going to be people in your world who aren't going to be pleased with you because they're not pleased with themselves. They are a mess themselves, and they're not getting the help that they need. You need to focus on pleasing me. And I remember one particular day, I went to my room crying. I was so hurt because somebody had just hurt me very, very deeply. And I just opened my Bible. Back in the day, we didn't have Google, so we couldn't Google, you know, scriptures for um, the brokenhearted or whatever. So I just said, God, I'm going to open my word. And I opened God's word to Galatians 1.10. And Galatians 1.10 that day began the process of healing and changing my heart. It said that we are called to be pleasers of God, not 
pleasers of man. And if we are living to please men, then we can't really call ourselves servants of Christ. And I remember God just very softly giving me a message across my heart. And I felt him say to me, Crystal, you will never please everybody in this world. There are going to be people who will never be pleased with anything that anybody does because they're not truly pleased inside their own heart. And I remember crying and making a goal, a new goal, to please Jesus. Because I realized that if I was pleasing Jesus, that was all that mattered. And if the people around me weren't happy with what I was doing, then that was on them. But my job was to please Jesus. And that became my goal. I would love to tell you that that day I ended all people pleasing. Not true. It's still been a process. It's still been a healing. But it was an anchor for me that when it would get to a point where I would be so overwhelmed with my people pleasing and feeling like a disappointment, that God would say to me, Crystal, I'm pleased with you. And so that became my focus because God is a lot more pleasable than anyone else you'll ever meet because he genuinely and unconditionally loves us He understands every hurt that we have. He understands every reason why we sin, every reason why we are broken, every reason why we cry or we're triggered. God understands us completely. He knows everything about us. So that was a very healing day for me. Um, So this is a little bit about my testimony. God has brought me through so much. And it hasn't been easy. And there has been processes that God has brought me to where he has been showing me over and over again, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I've got you. He's led me to people who were wise and loving. Um, I have a great husband who is a wonderful man of God. And together we've grown a lot and he's walked with me as I've healed from many of the broken places of my past and for that I'm really thankful so that is my testimony that's how I came to surrender my full heart to Jesus and now I'm going to tell you I'm going to fast forward through many many years after that so now we're going from That was probably late high school, early college. I'm going to fast forward into my 30s. God began to put it on my heart. Something about being a Christian counselor. Even as in in high school, one of the things that I loved was my communications class. I didn't know why, but I couldn't get enough of this communication stuff. Debate. Um, speech communication, um, effective listening, all of these types of classes. Like, I couldn't get enough of it. So when I went to college, I decided to get my degree in speech communication. So I got a four-year degree in the communication field. Again, I didn't know why. All I knew was that I liked people. I liked communicating. I liked relationships. I wouldn't say I was great at it, 
because I had had a lot of brokenness that I needed to move through. So a lot of times talking to people would scare me, but I loved the topic. And so I continued and I got my bachelor's degree and then I had my first child um, right before I finished my degree and I wanted to raise my kids. So I spent um, the first 12 years of raising my children. So when my son was 12, I started going back to school to get my degree. Um, and then when, after my daughter turned two, I began, that's when I began getting, working towards the degree. But through that process, God was working on me and saying that this was what he wanted me to do. He put it on my heart slowly um, and it just kept growing. And I remember I was scared, honestly. I was surprised that I got through my bachelor's degree. It was such a goal that I had, but growing up in such an abusive home, education wasn't important. A lot of times my mom would just come and force me to leave school because she wanted me at home taking care of my niece or taking care of things in the house. Like school was not important. Nobody looked at my report card. Nobody cared. Actually, I take that back. Sometimes they would look at my report card just so if there was bad grades, they could yell and scream at me. But really, nobody really cared about education. And yet God had told me there was something inside of me that made me realize I needed to get a degree. So I got a degree. It wasn't a great GPA, but I did. So then when God started calling me to get my master's degree as a counselor, I was terrified because I felt so stupid. I felt dumb. I had married a guy who came from a home with professionals. His dad was a doctoral, like has a doctoral degree. His mom has a master's degree. My husband is a genius. He is so smart. Um, and so being with him, I learned a lot of new words. Um, a lot of like, I'd always ask him, what does this mean? What does this mean? Because I didn't know. And, um, but when God called me to go back to school, I was, I was scared and I fought him for several years. And there was one day I was driving, it was just me and I was kind of in prayer and God just kind of put this message across my heart. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go to school to be a Christian counselor. And I literally, and I kid you not, I looked up into the sky and I said, God, I literally came from stupid. Why do you think that I can do this? And I'll never forget what I felt like God put across my heart, a message, and the way that the Holy Spirit only can teach us. He said, have I not gotten you through much more than a measly master's degree? Why do you think that I'm not going to be with you through this. Why do you think I'm not going to get you through this? Together, we're going to get through this. And I pulled my car off the side of the road, and I just cried. And I surrendered. And I said, okay, if this is what you want me to do, I will do it. You see, up to that point, I was fighting God, but I also had a lot of people telling me a lot of things when I would mention it to them. I had, my, hu my husband was like, yeah, I think that was a good idea. And, 
you know, some other people in my family were like, yeah, that's a good idea. Then I had other people going, well, you already have some debt. You don't need to go into debt. And the only way I could get a degree was if I would get some student loans. You haven't paid off your other student loans. And then I had some people who I really respect and still love today who said things like, God called you to be home with your children. And that's what you need to focus on. So I was hearing a lot of different things. And it was at that point when God said, this is what I want you to do that I surrendered. And then there was a song by um, Francesca Battistelli that came on the radio for the first time that I had ever heard this song. And it was such a moment from God where he really clarified all those thoughts, those questions, all the things that I had heard other people, other people say to me. Um, and the name of the song is Strangely Dim. And the chorus is, um, I'm actually looking at the lyrics right now. But the chorus just really stood out to me. And it says, but when I fix my eyes on all that you are, then every doubt I feel deep in my heart grows strangely dim. All my worries fade and fall to the ground because when I seek your face and don't look around, any place I'm in grows strangely dim. And all of a sudden, all of these other voices, remember that people pleaser thing that I've got, it's still there, right? It doesn't rule my life when at the end of the day God does. But it's still today something that I struggle with and I have to weed through and I have to work through. And at that moment, God said, just look at me and you will see what you need, what I need, what I want you to do. And all of a sudden, those things didn't matter anymore. It was like, okay, this is what God wants me to do. So I drove home. I asked to speak to my husband. I told him what God told me to do. He said, Crystal, that is absolutely what I believe God has called you to do. And then he made a little joke and said, only on one condition. When you get your degree, you're not allowed to psychoanalyze me. And I laughed. Um, but so with that being said, that was the day when God called me to be a counselor. And that evening, my husband and I together actually applied for grad school. And within a few weeks, I had my books and I was starting to take classes. So fast forward a few weeks to a few I think a year maybe here we were at I was a student I had some school that I was doing and I um, was just praying on the beach which is my favorite place in the world to be on the beach I hear God's voice so loud on the beach and I was just praying there and God just specifically very clearly gave me the message Crystal the name of your practice is going to be victorious living counseling. Because what I've done in your life 
is to show you that victorious living doesn't mean that your past has to be perfect doesn't mean that you didn't have to grow up and that you had to grow up in a Christian home where everything was great it doesn't mean that you can't have a whole many years of living away from God and sinning victorious living means that we come to Jesus and when we come to Jesus we surrender everything to him all of our brokenness all of our abuse all of our pain all of our mistakes all of our sin and we lay it at his feet and we say God use this for your glory